bit at large. I'm Leonard Lopate. Today's show fills me with a slew of mixed emotions. On, on one hand, it's about saying goodbye to Jesse Lent, uh, an invaluable colleague with whom I've enjoyed working for the past three and a half years. And on the other, it's my opportunity to welcome a new member to the Leonard Lopate at Large team. Yesterday was the last day that Jesse Lent worked at WBAI, and today, Keziah Glow is replacing him as the executive producer of this show. So let's begin with Jesse. Uh, Jesse, uh, you're leaving because you're moving? Yes. Hi, Leonard. It's Hi. so uh, so great to be here as a guest. Uh, yes, I'm moving to Europe to pursue my music career, soundtrack, production, uh, songwriting that I've been doing concurrently uh, really since I was 14 years old. But it's it's what I came to New York uh, for uh, for music school to study uh, jazz at the new school with you know Reggie Workman and not bad Reggie Workman yeah that was hey New York City and Coltrane's bass player that was that was a pretty hard sell to uh, turn down so uh, you know I've been really lucky in the recent in 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 you know the past couple of years things are starting to go my way and uh, so I'm I'm gonna jump on it but uh, allow me to say Leonard it's 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 been a thrill and uh I, it's it's so wild to think that that you and I have done what 600 plus shows together now wow. at this point right yeah well uh, before i uh follow that up uh, i want to tell listeners that a little later we'll listen to some of the music that you've been creating while you've been working on this show um yeah we uh, we, we began on july 16 2018 what were you doing before you were assigned to work with me? I was doing my own show called Trump Watch with Jesse Lent. That was why I was originally hired at WBAI. Uh, we were actually the first Trump Watch broadcast in the country, to the best of my knowledge. We were on, <clears throat> I believe the first show was December 3rd. One of, one of, it was the first week of December in 2016. So uh, just a couple of weeks <laughs> after uh, Trump had, had secured uh, the presidency. Hmm. Um, uh, and, and so I was doing that show. And as you probably remember the, the first, Oh, almost two years, I, I, a year and change that I was working as your, as your producer, I would then Wednesdays sort of jump into, <laughs> to Trump watch mode. Obviously I'd be preparing throughout the week, but, but then, uh, you know, that afternoon I'd sort of go into deep, prep for whatever the the issue was and quick plug for Trump watch that all those shows uh, are actually on Spotify and Apple podcasts. So if anyone is curious what I was doing uh, before, uh, right before I became Leonard's producer, Trump watch with Jesse Lent is, uh, is the short answer to that question. Oh, well, there's an awful lot of detail that you had to take care of in preparing for this show. Uh, were you, did you know about all of that stuff at the beginning or is it something that you kind of fell into? Wow, that's a good question. I, I don't think I could make a sweeping generalization one way or the other, but I, I would say the fact that I was a Leonard Lopate at large fan and listener. Well, it wasn't uh, called Leonard Lopate at large. You heard me, <laughs> you heard me yeah. at WNYC. <laughs> Excellent point. Thank you for the correction. Right. Right. I was a fan of the Leonard Lopate show at WNYC. I, and and um, like a lot of people wasn't sure what, what happened. And, and so 
Um, but but the fact that I had spent, you know, because I had worked uh, as as a crime reporter for DNA Info. I was uh, the, the managing editor editor for a, a Korean entertainment site called K Pop Stars. I mean, as anyone who's worked in journalism like yourself knows, it's it's often a mixed mm. bag. Um, to you know, you're you're kind of doing so many different things. But one thing that all those jobs had in common is there was an element of often doing the writing in, in my, uh, in my own apartment. And that was, yeah, I mean, that show, that sort of four hour, 10 AM to noon to two block, uh, 10 AM to two block, Leonard Lopez show being noon to two was, uh, was always on. And so um, to get back to your question, I mean, th- there were so many small things that we needed to figure out. Um, but the fact that I knew, what you had done fairly well, um, having listened to probably hundreds of hours of it. And that also, I, I sort of felt like I, I knew your voice a bit from all the listening, from listening to it so much that really helped because one, when it came time to do script writing, I was able to sort of hear you reading the copy in my voice, which (laughs) any kids out there or adults getting into radio production, I think that's, that's like, one of the most important things about writing a script, right, is you need to be able to write in the voice of the radio personality that, that you're dealing with. But then also, I just kind of had um, some sense, I think, of of what would work on the show and, and what wouldn't. And, you know, God knows I wasn't always 100 percent on that, but it at least helped to move me in the right direction. Well, as we I mentioned earlier, the first show we did together here at BAI was with Clive Haberman as the guest, July 16th, 2018. That was about six months after I'd left WMYC. And we didn't warn him that I was constrained from talking about what had happened to me at WNYC uh, because uh, I had been forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, and uh, that was... Uh, that upset listeners. They wanted to know what was going on, and so did Clyde, who was a very friendly guest, a great newspaper man at the New York Times. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, um, it, you know, if it had been, if he hadn't been the first guest, I mean, maybe, let's just say if he hadn't been on that first week, I think you probably would have discussed it with him, right? But because it was the first show, it was so chaotic. And yeah, like you said, the the sort of first answer that Clyde gave you was to say, you know, I'm really sorry about what happened to you. A lot of people, you know, disagree, blah, blah, blah. And and well, not blah, 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 but but things to those of to that effect. And and um right. And and so a lot of listeners, when you when you didn't sort of take the bait, so to speak, felt like, well, why isn't he talking about this? Obviously, for listeners who still feel that way, I would refer them to our our 500th show in which I interviewed you about all that stuff. So eventually I have since been very open about what happened. Yeah. Unfortunately, WMYC has not. But that's a whole other matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that might be another show. Was it difficult to book guests for the show at first? Well, it was. I mean, I think I think that's probably true of any new show, um, even with a name uh, as the host. You know, people just don't really know what it's going to be yet. And then, you know, there's just the simple logistics of getting on the sort of radar of publicists and publishers and for movie books, producers. for films, for dance. Uh, right. You had to establish yourself 
as someone that they would would know to contact or and yeah. want to contact. Yes, and that was that was actually a really big challenge because um, in the early days of the show, right? You and I are trying to figure out what the show is going to be. So there's the conceptual work. There's the day to day just getting the show posted. Right. But then there's also, you know, getting it edited and syndicated and turned into a podcast. But, you know, in those early days, I basically had to establish myself mostly via email to, um, right. The, the, the entertainment, uh, uh, you know, movers and shakers of, of New York and beyond. But while I was being pulled in, in, in 20 different directions. So, you know, things like typos and writing emails that I'm sure if I read back now (laughs) sounded like the ramblings of a crazy man, you know, it's, it's difficult. And anyone working, not just in, um, you know, community radio, like WBAI, I think anyone working in nonprofits knows this feeling, right. Of like, you're being pulled in 20 different directions at once. So um, yeah, it definitely, it was really intense in the beginning. um, But I'd, I'd say, you know, like six months into a year, to a year into it, we started uh, getting better guests. The, the, I think the show started improving. I know I started sort of getting my sea legs where I, I stopped feeling like I was just uh, running from one emergency to the next. Well, we were, <laughs> we were benefiting from uh, guests giving good feedback to the publicists. So the publicists then wanted to put more people on the show. Now, right, uh, it, it was kind of, sorry to interrupt, but it's kind of like what you said about when you were at NYC, right? When it was originally New York and company, or originally a show mostly for older people. Right? Well, originally and, and, it was called Senior Edition, and then right. it became... New York and Company, and then it became the Leonard Lopez show. But the whole reason that that show grew had a lot to do with your guest mm. feedback, because, wow, it might be hard for some of our listeners to believe, but guests actually enjoy being asked intelligent questions. Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, I started off by saying that we were going to play some of your music, so maybe we should listen to a track. Uh, your group is called the Sweethearts of the Psychic Rodeo. That's the Sweethearts with a Z, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, when did you start recording these tracks? Uh, wow, yeah, the last few years are such a blur, right, with the, with the pandemic and everything. Those we started, um, well, Brady and I had a couple residencies, the second of which actually maybe anyone who's hung around the studio at BAI remembers those psychic rodeo posters. That was a... Uh, sort of monthly happening I was putting together where I was, I was really trying to call back like the old New York residencies that would be uh, either usually for a long span of time. And uh, if it was jazz, it was often every night, but even monthly residencies like in the seventies and eighties and, and the, the sort of older New York entertainment scene that was more diverse by the time I got to New York in the late nineties, everything had already become pretty, you know, segregated in terms of here are the venues for rock music, here are the venues for jazz, let alone here are the comedy venues. I mean, magicians, you know, don't don't you dare set foot in any of these poets, same deal. So performance artists. So I I wanted a show where I could bring all of those things together. And so um, I was also booking, you know, basically any musician I thought was cool. And, And as I said, this now the final residency, this would be, I think, 20 like 2017 2018 that we're talking that we did this in the in the commons downstairs hank saloon actually before that but up the street um 
downstairs from where WBAI is on Atlantic Avenue, right? So, so this is a little um, before we actually started working together. Right. It was, it was, I think it ended right around the time the show began for, for unrelated reasons. Oh, the reason I um, ask is the yeah. first track we're going to play is called Stop Wearing Me Out. And I thought it was actually addressed to me. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even really think of that when I pulled that. Yes. So really, you know, to, to sort of stop uh, rambling and, and get to your question, um, you know, I was bringing together a lot of musicians, all the musicians I thought were interesting that I could find to play this thing. And one of them was my friend Brady. And uh, he and I started writing songs together. This is at the original uh, Psychic Rodeo at Hank's. And eventually we formed a group that became, well, we needed a name, right? We were big fans of the Birds album, The Sweetheart of the Rodeo, which mm. is the sort of Birds country record after David Crosby is kicked out of the group. And um, it's 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 a sort of uh, prototypical uh, alt country record, you know, country music, I guess, uh, by hippies for, for lack of a better way to describe it. And we loved that record and we covered a couple of the songs off of it. And so we were just kicking around names and the sweethearts of the psychic rodeo just kind of uh, came together. The reason there's a Z is there's actually a Sweethearts that was mm. uh, two ladies in the 80s. But since one's blonde and one has black hair, just like Brady and myself, we hope that some people think that that was maybe <laughs> us. Well, um, but yeah, yeah. Stop wearing me out, though, is well, not about you. <laughs> let's let's listen to it.
Stop Wearing Me Out by the Sweethearts of the Psychic Rodeo from an album called The Originals. Uh, and uh, I'm talking with Jesse Lent, who was my, has been my producer on this show from its inception until yesterday. A little later, we'll speak with my new producer, Keziah Glow. Uh, but Jesse, um, how... how I know there are a lot of overdubs. How, did you play a number of instruments on that track? Yes. Uh, so we're actually, the Sweethearts, we've been working very hard on our second record, and our second record will feature uh, the drummer who only plays on a couple songs, Dave Villano from my previous band, The Monte Vista. But on that song and most of the first album, pretty much everything other than the, the keyboards and one of the voices is me. So I'm playing on that track, uh, electric acoustic guitar, drums, uh, bass, and then singing most, well, the lead and, and most of the harmony on that one. Uh, let's get back to, uh, before we play another track, to what was happening in uh, on this show over the years. Uh, when you began, it was before COVID hit, so many of our guests would join us in the studio, and you even did a number of stints as our audio engineer. So on top of all of the other things that you you do on these records, playing some of the instruments, you also can work as an audio engineer. Yeah, well, I mean, that was an outgrowth of, of the work I do uh, in my music production field, right? You know, I it was sort of one of the reasons that I think I was uh, able to to get a show on WBAI because I had news experience and I also had like a, a personal studio, right? We, we It's hard to get a, a, you know, facility space is a problem for any small station like ours, WBAI being no exception. So the fact that I could produce stuff at home on my own system, it, it was, was a huge benefit. And yes, I mean, we, whenever we do those uptown shows, like the shows we did with Tim Robbins or Daryl Hammond, or uh, we, we were lent you know, to studio by some very generous people. Uh, right so, at the positive mind. Yeah. And they, they would, you know, I would, I would be your engineer and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I just have to send a, a quick shout out to to Reggie and Michael and Sean and Max. Just the whole engineering staff at WBAI is so amazing and has been so amazing to me and to this show and my original show, Trump Watch. Uh, you know, I, it, I was going to say that one of the one of the great things about being an engineer was just even being trained as an engineer and, and getting to spend some time with all those guys. Cause, cause they're great not to undervalue any of the work that you do, Leonard, or any of the 
uh, hosts at WBAI, but I always say that the engineers are, are, are have the hardest job <laughs> because we do one show and we're off and they're, they're right into the next thing, you know, <laughs> often being thrown things right at the last minute. So um, I know that for me, my experience as an engineer uh, in regarding radio outside of music has been really uh, really helpful for me to understand kind of how to put this show together every day. Well, Reggie uh, Johnson has been my engineer for most of the shows, and uh, he uh, has had to suffer through a lot of different changes. As I said at the beginning, we did a lot of shows live. Guests could even join us in the studio for many of those shows. We did to do some phoners. And then when COVID hit, uh, I was doing a show from a room upstairs in my house upstate, uh, and then luckily, more recently, I was able to come here. But you and I have been working remotely now for almost two years. I know, and it, it's it's wild. And, and I think maybe every possible thing that could go wrong has gone wrong from you know, guess jewelry being so loud that we couldn't <laughs> syndicate it. <laughs> so bracelets jingling to the thing I always think about where when you were, so we can't be in the studio because of the pandemic. So Leonard's upstate, I'm in Brooklyn, Reggie's at the studio, the only one at the studio. And then the power went off at your house Yeah, and, and you called back on During your cell phone. So we had, right. It was a snowstorm. And so we have like, yeah, the show and then a long pause. And then you're back on the phone. You know, it's like the Black Knight and uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You just they couldn't they couldn't get you down there. Well, so before we play another track, and I do want to play another track. Uh, tell me about some of the things, some of the experiences you've had over the years working on this show. Um, I'm sure there were some very positive ones and there were some really scary ones. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny that you bring up the pandemic because the, the really sad thing, and, and I hope God, I mean, just we're all dreaming, right. Of being able to return to that world of pre 2019 or pre 2020. Uh, well, I love doing a show with a guest in the studio because we look at each other. There are people send signals to you that you don't, they don't even realize they're doing their eyes tell you, yeah, I like that question or please let's move on to something else. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All of that. And for me, I mean, what I was going to say is, I mean, it seems like a, a minor detail in light of all the terrible things that have happened in the few years relating to the pandemic. But, you know, getting to meet the guests, not just famous guests. I mean, obviously, look, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who's more of a Saturday Night Live head than I am. And so getting to meet Daryl Hammond, who friends of mine and I recite entire, you know, routines of political impressions and so forth. That was a thrill. Tim Robbins, another one, you know, we watched Jacob's Ladder about 50 times in, in high school. We had but live also, music from Delphio Marsalis. Delphio Marsalis. I got to meet Kenny Werner, who's a sort of musical guru. Uh, if anyone is, is a musician uh, and looking to sort of free themselves up. He has this whole thing called effortless mastery that's on YouTube that I, I highly recommend. I mean, all that was incredible. Right. And, and definitely professional high points, but a lot of my favorite guests were people that I didn't know or know of until we, we booked them. Um, and um, you know, just talking to really fascinating 
people all the time, uh, you know, who have all the accolades, you know, Pulitzer Prize winners, uh, if, you know, people who win Pulitzers, et cetera. It's just really fun to get to hang out with people like that. I don't know. don't mean to sound ditzy about it, but it, it's it's just really interesting to to have a sort of moment with someone like I, I remember talking to like someone who worked in the in the JFK administration and ha- having him recommend uh, some some books about that era. And he told me to read uh, The Best and the Brightest by David Halberstam, which is you know one of my favorites. And, and uh, it's just kind of an endless source of fun. So. You know, for for Kazaya, who, uh, by the way, I, I think you're going to be uh, in in excellent hands and, and doing incredible shows. I can't wait to see what Kazaya is going to bring to the show. But I just hope that at some point you can go back to doing the show when we the way it was when we started, yeah. because uh, that's a, that's an aspect of doing a, a talk show like this that that really is rewarding, as as anyone who's done it, I'm sure would tell you. Okay, well, let's listen to another track from your album, your debut album of the Sweethearts of the Psychic Rodeo. This one is called Dry Run. You want to tell us anything about it before we play it? The reason I picked this one is because we were calling back or attempting to call back some of the 60s gospel sound uh, and especially the sort of secondhand gospel played by folks, you know, like the band. Um, it, this was kind of our attempt to do this. And I know that you have an encyclopedic knowledge of gospel music. So I thought this might be interesting to hear. Dry Run by the Sweethearts of the Psychic Rodeo. <laughs>
Dry Run by the Sweethearts of the Psychic Rodeo. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm going to be um, I'm going to bring in my new producer now. <laughs> and Jesse, um, you continue, you know, talk to her. Um, Kaziah, Kaziah Glow, yeah. welcome to our show. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly well. Okay, great, great, great. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Jesse. Hi, Leonard. I'm so pleased that uh, you've come on board. Um, and you uh, have had a long history in radio, haven't you? You began uh, interning in radio as an adolescent? Yes, yes. So I began at WHCR 90.3 FM, Harlem Community Radio, and I, I was about, I guess, 12. Hmm. And I was that person that I guess would get coffee and make copies of paper and, you know, just kind of, I always hung around. I was really helpful. And, um, you know, it was through my family that um, I was on the radio because my dad and uh, a few others, they had a show and, you know, it's just been a, a family affair radio. It's kind of like second nature. And so, um, yeah. Well, do you feel that it's prepared you for doing a show like this? It really has. I mean, you know, it's it's like behind the scenes is so funny because no one will ever know the madness that is going on mm. when you're doing a show as long as you yeah. keep a straight voice. And, you know, you just, you know, sound steady. And no one ever knows that, you know, five minutes before you couldn't get your mic to work or whatever. And I or think the guest wasn't there. You, you called, right. you had a phone or that you called, the guest wasn't there and you don't know whether the guest is going to be there or suddenly the guest drops out in the middle of a show. Absolutely. And then what do you do? And, mm -hmm. you know, I really love you and Jesse's relationship in which you guys were able to, like, just build this show. And, you know, I always say I know it sounds crazy, but I'm like, I love Jesse's mind because mm -hmm. he thinks of so many different things. He thinks of like all the possibilities in like one thought. So, you know, you just have to work like that. Well, I'm assuming you're going to do the same and you'll bring certain resources of your own. To, yep. to this mix. Yeah, yeah. And you, she's giving you, way too much credit. I mean, she's giving no, Jesse. <laughs> I have said, I have worked with any number of people over the years. After all, I've been in radio now since 1977. And I have told you and everybody else that you're the best producer I ever had. It's so nice of you to say, and, and it's it's nice to hear every time. But, but I, as... Uh, as a fan, as someone walking away a fan first, uh, I cannot wait to see, uh, or should I say hear what, what Kazai is going to bring to the show. Uh, as I said to you, Leonard, you know, she's going to think of things and angles and dimensions uh, to the hour that you and I could have never even thought of. So uh, I, I, I will return the very, uh, very kind compliment by saying that I've been extremely impressed handing the reins over to Kazaya. And as I told you, Leonard, I think you're, you're going to look at twice. Well, Kazaya, <laughs> among other things, has a meditation show, which airs on Sunday mornings from 6 to 8 a.m., and uh, I hope she, you're not, because I you're not expecting for me me to do a lot of humming. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, how do you maybe do Leonard should be a guest on the meditation show? Uh, well, how do you do <laughs> meditation on radio? 
<laughs> you know, we, I actually, I do guided meditation. And it's so funny because sometimes I feel so silly, but it's like, you know, we close our eyes and we go into a guided meditation. And we, I've so far, I've dealt with things like forgiveness, um, heart space energy, um, dealing with anxiety. Um, you know, and honestly, it's, I need meditation because I'm a really like stressed out person. So it works well, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you, I think that's, can I just say Leonard, I think that's such a great service that, that you're providing. I actually did a, a score for um, a friend of mine's that's on soundcloud.com slash five minute meditation. But I only say that because the same, the reason I did that, not for a shameless plug is I'm sure a similar thing that, that anyone like yourself, who's, who's found meditation to really help it's the more people that you can get to just kind of try it without any associations. Uh, I think I would argue the better the world would be. I mean, you just look at the health benefits and also just the way that it teaches people, you know, kindness, uh, treating people as equals that those kind of things. I just think it's so great that you're, uh, that you're putting that out there every week. And a little later, we'll listen to one more track from you, Jesse. And this one, I guess, involved that. It was a soundtrack uh, uh, for an organization called Base Camp for Veterans Incorporated that uh, teaches veterans coping skills for PTSD and adjusting adjusting to life after combat. Through training wild Mustangs. Yes, this <laughs> is really... And listening to to your soundtrack. <laughs> well, my the songs I wrote for them, you know, this is a new organization. They've just been around a few years. And um, so they were doing sort of a series of videos um, that that just to kind of let people know what the organization is. It is a nonprofit. So to try to get some funding as well. And so I scored those um, those videos. And, and yeah, just to give a little shout out, these are all on YouTube. If anyone wants to to see these and just to give a little shout out to the organization, it's called Basecamp for Veterans Inc. or BCI. And apparently in large swaths of the American West, there are thousands of these wild Mustangs and the government will actually, the U S government will pay you to, uh, to train them, to work with them. And they basically are become uh, a horse, you know, under your care. And, um, and so these people train, teach veterans, combat veterans, specifically people have been, you know, to Afghanistan and Iraq in recent years and um, sort of, allow them to interact with, with the horse and, um, you know, the horse almost becomes a kind of metaphor for the sometimes extremely harsh, unforgiving so-called real world. Right. Uh, and so I've just, I've, I've personally been, um, ex extremely moved by some of the work these people have, have done. So that was why I wanted to throw one of those songs in and especially since uh, hoping, hoping more soundtrack work is, is coming down the pike. Well, we'll listen in a little bit, but I want to get back to Kaziah who's, Oh yeah. And I'm sorry to derail that. Yeah. No, 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 please. Kaziah, Kaziah, you just have so many different pots in the fire. I mean, I mentioned the meditation show. You also uh, president of the South Bronx Emergency Network. Uh, you have uh, uh, worked at Bloomberg LP as an analytics specialist. <laughs> You're interested in fashion. Um, I'm leaving stuff out, aren't I? 
Yeah, that kind of sounds like a crazy person. I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> it's critical for the show, though. I mean, that that yeah, you, that being off, interested that's in a such, wide range of things is, is good. Exactly. That's why we've got the the perfect person right here. Thank you. Thank you. And can I also just um, go back, Jesse? The song we just listened to was amazing. That oh, was thank great. you. Yeah, I just wanted to just before we went further, it, it really touched me. And because you said it had like gospel in it. And so, you know, I, I think that when you when you're doing so many different things and you interact with so many people um, in different spaces in life, music is so important. And so, you know, it's important that it touches your soul. And I really felt that song. So I just wanted to kind of say that. And you, you, you're moving to Europe. Uh, are you going to be working with European musicians? Yes, uh, we've got a couple things we're working on lining up right now. And uh, I mean, just in general, there's a lot more uh, opportunities for musicians and artists in Europe. Fingers crossed that the world continues to open back up. But um, yeah, I mean, one of the plans once once I'm settled over there is to really to build um, a larger, more legit recording studio than anything I've had in the past. And so what I'm hoping is uh, obviously be working a lot on my own stuff, but I I'm really hoping to produce a lot of other musicians, not just people there, but I'm hoping I can bring a lot of musicians that I know uh, from Brooklyn, from LA, from, from around the country uh, over there. But Amsterdam, uh, for example, has an incredible music scene uh, that no one really knows about. And most of the bands have not put records out. I probably shouldn't even be saying this on the radio, but uh, one of the things I'm really hoping to do is, 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 is record a lot of those groups the way they should be recorded and uh, hopefully uh, just, you know, get help. Some other people get their music out there too. I'm going to uh, play another thing from by you. And then when we come back, because I, I want to talk about an experience that has changed your life. Uh, I, I'm sure you know what I'm, I'm referring to. Um, but first, let's listen to, uh, by the way, this is Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. We're going to listen to one more score. Jesse, you play all the instruments and produce and mix this track? Yes, this is the most recent piece of music that I've uh, that I contributed to for Basecamp, that veterans organization I was just uh, talking about. And yes, I'm playing everything on this. Okay, well, let's listen to one more score.
One more score in which Jesse Lent played all of the instruments. For the past three and a half years, Jesse has been my executive producer here at WBAI, my only producer, and uh, it's with great sadness that uh, I have to say goodbye to him uh, because uh, yesterday was his last day on the payroll, and now we're joined by uh, a new executive producer who I assume is going to give us some other perspectives, Kaziah Glow. Uh, she began today, and we are already working on some shows uh, for the upcoming weeks. But, uh, Kaziah, you talk about uh, an experience that you had in 2015 that changed your life drastically? Yes. And is that that's something that I assume uh, will play a, a part in, in your thinking about some future shows? Absolutely. It plays a part in... Uh, a lot of my work. And so um, I had a, a family member who um, was incarcerated and, um, you know, the situation when you, we, you really broke it down was unfair. And I had a chance to look at, at the criminal justice system and go through the entire process. And so prior to that, you know, I've worked in community. I've been case manager. I've, you know, worked on community projects. I've been in community radio. I've interviewed a plethora of guests. And so, you know, we, I would talk about mass incarceration. I've been to uh, Michelle Alexander's events. And, you know, doing these things for uh, work is one thing. But when I actually experienced the criminal justice system, System, and I had a chance to sit in courtrooms and see how, see the disparities and see what was really going on and then actually go into Rikers and see what was happening in there and see what was happening in prisons and how the prisoners were treated. Hmm. It changed my whole view. It's a big story of, right now in the news. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I started um, advocating and I started working with um, HALT and I had a few uh, articles that we wrote because it's infuriating when you actually see what's going on and it doesn't get a lot of press and it's not covered. And so, um, you know, of course, when you're uh, incarcerated and you're a prisoner and you speak out, then you're retaliated against. So I've witnessed so much in the last few years that it actually changed um, how I the work that I do. So for example, uh, South Bronx Emergency Network is a co-ad and it's uh, built to bring different partners and organizations together in case of an emergency. But what we realized was incarceration and um, the level of arrest are, are an emergency too, because oftentimes young people are not provided with resources and then they turn to these negative um, out, uh, you know, situations. And so it's really, you know, they would mention the pipeline to prison years ago. We, we talked about it on the show, but I got a chance to We've really We've talked see about it on this show. We've had a number of people, in fact, a few who were uh, unjustly uh, uh, Incarcerated, who finally right. were were freed when, uh, but it, it was a real complicated and uh, often, uh, well, messy and destructive experience for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you see that firsthand, oh man, it changes everything. No longer is it just, you know, I go to work nine to five and I do what I have to do. It's like, you're really passionate because you know that someone is in a dark hole or someone is not eating or somebody is sitting in jail that really didn't deserve to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the work that I do is not around incarceration, but it's around giving a voice to others. Um, you know, even the meditation, if one person 
maybe I only have one listener, but if one person hears that and they're going through something and they're having a hard time and it changes their day, then I did my job. Years ago, I did a show with members of the Central Park Five who, if you remember, had been accused of raping somebody in Central Park. And and um, a man who later went on to become president of the United States even took out an ad in the New York Times calling for them to uh, be given the death penalty. So yes. th- that was kind of stunning. But... We can talk about those kinds of things on a show like this uh, and give it a real, give it a, a full hour instead of five minutes in this, uh, hearing the same thing that you hear on every other show. Absolutely. And I think that is what I love about this type of radio and, you know, um, uh, community radio. And, you know, it, it allows us to discuss things that you will never hear in the mainstream mm. media and, you know, I never want to say that, you know, people are asleep or anything like that. There's just not they just don't have the right information, because sometimes when you're given the right information, it awakens something inside of you. And you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know that this exists. So I just love the those shows that you and Jesse have put together from the different authors. And, you know, I mean, you, you guys have a plethora of different topics. And I mean, it it awakens something inside of you. Just listening to a lot of your old shows, I'm just like, wow. Well, Jesse, one of our considerations was, will this topic or this guest or whatever, uh, does it warrant a full hour's show? So we uh, stayed away from a lot of stuff that other people do. And we also were able to talk about things in depth in a way that uh, you rarely hear in broadcasting. This is something, Kaziah, who I'm pretty sure all of our listeners, uh, just from hearing her talk about her own experience, know why I have complete confidence that this is going to be a great new chapter for the show. But when we were talking about um, just the, the choosing guests and and how you and I pick the guests that'll be on here, the point that I made the way I summed it up was if something's a good topic and something's a good topic for the hour, those are two different things, right? It's yes. it's like um, well, what the president Laura, said yesterday takes five minutes. Or if it's a you know, it's one of the reasons we don't do a lot of fiction on on the show unless it's an author that people are really yes. uh, familiar with, excited to hear we from. We talk about the whole history of that author, yeah. Exactly, because if you're just concentrating on a on a world of a fiction book for an hour or people that know a book that presumably almost all the audience hasn't read, it's it doesn't really maintain the interest. And there's a lot of interesting subjects, um, things, you know, I, I never there's definitely a list of shows that I was always trying to get something in that zone, but, but it never really, it really is kind of a, a very a specific thing trying to find a show that really uh, has enough threads that you can kind of unwind them throughout the hour and not feel like you've, you've run out of uh, thread, so to speak. Well, to really I, beat the I'm metaphor sure, of I'm sure you find that challenging, but also fascinating. It's yeah. it's oh yeah I, I didn't know if you were talking to me here because I <laughs> well, <both of> you. <laughs> I think we both do because yeah. go ahead because I no no I was just agreeing I'm sorry go uh, ahead. <laughs> well we're we're kind of close to the end of our time uh, but uh, 
Jesse, when do you leave for Europe? Just in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. in the process of uh, putting all my stuff into a container store, <laughs> you know, a shipping container. Yeah. All of the uh, the things, the recording material and things like that. <sighs> An upright bass, uh, about uh, seven, eight instruments. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a process. No furniture, just instruments and records. And and Kaziah, you already starting to feel a little overwhelmed. <laughs> No, you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to be fine. Jesse has like showed me everything. Yesterday I was like, "Oh my god, how am I going to do this?" And I called Jesse, and it was something that was so simple, like I just needed to like put my telephone number in and I got the code back, but you know, I think that's it's just it's going to be fine. I I had such a wonderful handover. You would not imagine. I mean, Jesse did a recorded Zoom so I would remember things. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to working with you. And Jesse, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you're going to be producing in Europe. Uh, I hope that you're not snowed in right now where you are. <laughs> no, I have escaped. And, and let me just say, you know, best of luck to both of you. And I'll be watching from the sidelines cheering for uh, this, this new chapter in the show. And I'm going to miss you. But, Likewise. I, but I'm so happy that Kaziah uh, and I have hit it off. I really feel like we understand what we want here. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's show. If you're just discovering this program and would like to hear more of our over 600 past shows, the the ones that Jesse has produced, they can be accessed streaming on demand at WBAI.org. Our podcast, which recently surpassed 1 million plays, is available on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else that you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to write to me, my email address is leonardlopate at WBAI.org. Before I sign off today, I need to ask you to consider stepping up and supporting WBAI to keep the show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. We are asking all of our listeners who have the means to do so to make a contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 right now. We need your help to keep bringing you this unique in-depth content, and especially now when we're still about $30,000 short of paying for the rent on our broadcast hour at four times square. We only have a few more days to go, and we need that money right away. Uh, Otherwise, without a broadcast hour, there's no radio station. The important thing is that you step up and show your support for London Lopate at Large and the station that brings it to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. So why not make that call now? Again, the number is 212-209-2950 or go online to give to WBAI.org. Because WBAI relies 100% on listener donations, we don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio. So if you tune in regularly, give us a call, 212-209-2950, go online to give to WBAI.org. And uh, remember that... You'll be playing a part in keeping this radio historic station, the only one on the New York radio dial, that is entirely listener-sponsored, alive and thriving with your tax-deductible support. We hope you can join us again tomorrow when Stephen March will discuss his new book, The Next Civil War, Dispatches from the American Future. I hope you tune in. <laughs>